time to go into auto reverse with Tony and Matt, where we look at bands that were underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, and to some unknown. This week, we're going auto reverse on Pete Rock and Steel Smooth. The good life, lounging by the pool, catching a suntan, and everything's cool. Male or female, you want to be set. So let's talk Pete Rock and CL Smooth. Pete Rock and CL Smooth, one of my favorites from the golden age <laughs> of uh, rap and hip hop. I don't think, uh, you know, the, the, I would say that the most frustrating thing about this duo is that they don't, they didn't put out more records, obviously. Uh, but what they did put out, man, it didn't hit you light. It hit you really hard because yeah, they they brought the full. They were the full package in terms of hip hop uh, from MC uh, and DJ standpoint, man. Uh, you know, you got to put them up there with like the the other like one two uh, duo dynamic duo of the time, uh, Gangstar, and probably uh, Eric B and Rakim. Um, Definitely. Definitely, they're right up there. Uh, I would even include Brand Nubian, yeah, um, Main Source, who don't get talked about no, enough either. Um, I would put uh, I would put Tribe Called Quest up there as well. I mean, it's just that was just such a, a there's such a bounty of great creative, um, you know one of a kind kind of groups, including Pete Rock and Seal Smooth. Yeah, who started out. Uh, uh, didn't know this, but they started out as high school buddies up at uh, old Mount Vernon in Westchester That's County. That's right. Which, uh, funny enough, they, when they were going to school there, the quarterback for their football team was Mr. Al B. Shore. Did you know that? <laughs> oh, I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> I read that. I'm like, no kidding. You know, there's there's one thing about them. You Yo, know, I love Al B. Shore. Yeah. And, you know, and who's, who's uh, Pete Rock's cousin? It's uh, heavy, D. Uh, heavy D. So he opened a lot of doors for them. So they started out, but there's about it. I don't know if you know this Australian expression, but uh, this deal in the beginning was really kind of kissed on the dick. I mean, they got <laughs> they got a lot of breaks that normal people going through the things wouldn't get. Like Pete, even in high school, started out uh, apprenticing with uh, DJ Marley Marr at WBLS. That's which, right. Which is huge and then through his uh through heavy d's uh dj i think is uh eddie f um he made a game introductions to labels in manhattan and he got to meet rick rubin and teddy riley i mean give me a break so those guys had a nice smooth road in road into uh the scene and but more importantly learning from the giants of the game at the time Oh, yeah, and he was mad young, and, and yeah, you're right, Heavy D opened the doors, although we talked about, you try to, in the text that we had going back and forth, you were trying to get me to acknowledge Heavy D as being some, I never liked Heavy D. I mean, I don't. Th I think he was a nice person, he seemed like a nice person, <laughs> oh, and he seemed, and for, a, and for a heavy, and for a heavy, and for a, a nice heavy set, for a heavy set brother, he had, he, you know, he was light on his feet, you know, but, because. But that's the thing. I never liked groups that did a lot of dancing or had a lot of dancers. So, um, 
<laughs> Temptations? That, you know, there was no dancing going on with P-Rock like, and Seal Smooth. You didn't like you know, the Temptations? What's that? You didn't like the Temptations? Yeah, but that's a different time <laughs> and a different type of music. They were singers. Come on, man. Uh, Tony, okay. apples and oranges, kid. Very true. Very true. Uh, but, you know, what I, my point is being is, like, those guys got to learn at the feet of some giants. And someone who was thirsty, uh, that Pete Rock was, who I, he, I, what I was reading about, like, man, he already had, like, a fairly sizable vinyl collection, even in high school, to kind of dig through. And I think for being a, to being, that's the difference between a good DJ and an exemplary DJ is how much vinyl you can digest and consume and he sounds like he was fairly ravenous and if you listen to the he still is actually i follow him on uh instagram he's oh, yeah. still uh he yeah he still collects you see him at record stores i mean before the pandemic you see it used he like every other post was him at a record store so he's he's still doing it oh, i gotta check that, that out. i don't think i think people that are serious about that stuff don't ever lose it you know what i mean no you kind of have to have it you know let's, yeah let's take a little let's take a step back as we usually yeah. like to do and why don't you tell me about your first kind of entry into the world of pete rock and cl smooth well, in 1991, I was working at um, Big Beat Records and in, in Manhattan. And I think I've talked to, about, about working there on, on the show before. It was mm -hmm. like kind of like a house music, dance music label, urban label. But we were starting to branch out into hip hop. And there was a uh, hip hop promotions person that worked there whose name was either Dawn or Donna or Dana. Don't, don't quote me. But she she took too. a shot. She took a shot. She took a shot to me and was nice. And uh, and I told her, hey, I want to I want to I want to get free records. I want to get promos from because I see that you get stuff shipped here and I want to I want to get it get up on that. So she introduced me to uh, this guy named Albie at, uh, at Tommy Boy. She introduced me to um, to the people at Electra, at, Elect uh, at Electra, at, at Rap a Lot, all these like different labels. So the person, the first thing that Electra sent me, because I, I made the calls and I made the connections, and then they started, they put me on the promo list. And as when you were on a promo list back then, they would send you two white label, twelve inches normally to start on whatever the the, the singles were. Right. Um, and for Pete, and so I never, I had heard Pete Rock. I might have heard Pete Rock's song on a mix show mm -hmm. uh uh and maybe bls i can't remember where so I, I there was already a little bit of hype on them and then i got the, the 12 inches from the white label 12 inches from from uh from electron it was for it was a sort of right before the album the ep that they put out all sold out it right. was uh it was for um hold on a second it was for the song the creator right and i think the b-side was Mecca and the Soul Brother, if I'm not mistaken, and and I was hooked. I got those twelves, and I was just going crazy. I was going crazy, and then I would hear it on mix shows uh, a lot. I would hear it. I, uh, uh, Stretch Armstrong, who I worked with there at, at Big Beat, he would DJ it at his nights uh, a lot. So I just got hooked, and then it just led me. It just led me down the road to their next. Two, you know, after all sold out, um, to into. Um, into Mecca and the Soul Brother, and then uh, and then the main ingredient. Right. So I was I was hooked for the next like three four years. Yeah, I mean I mean ninety four was a crazy year, um, and in fact, if you you know one of the things that probably didn't help them uh, 
when they, that came out. It came out so late in '94. Um, what are you talking about? Which which record? Oh, I'm sorry, Main Ingredient. Oh, Main Ingredient came out in '94. Yeah, that yeah. was the last. That was their last record together, right? Right. But uh, my point is, yeah. like, you know, blow blow out comb, Illumatic, uh, Ready uh-huh. to Die. Outcast is, I think, first album came on. Uh, Did the Chronic come out in '94? No, no. Oh, that may, might have come out in '95. Yeah. I'm not positive. Yeah. Yeah, but you also like had hard to earn. You had, uh, you had the Roots. Uh, Do you want more? Yeah, the first you, Roots. Yeah. Warren G's album. You had your bunch. Uh-huh. You had like a a lot. Grave Diggers too. I was just uh-huh. like, you know, Met the Band's first solo album came out. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, Tikal and then Resurrection Comet. It's like you know. That's just a monster year. And yeah, it was. That's why they call it the golden age. The golden age, but that's something that could have maybe hurt them a little bit that they were coming off the heels of this just kind of wham, bam, thank you, ma'am year of stuff. But, um, you know, they seemed like they were one of those bands who got a lot more, not credibility, but a lot more, there was a little bit more fanaticism by those who were really into the. Like they never was, they never got the mainstream stuff, even though they played on a lot of uh, soundtracks, which helped their, you know, helped get them a little bit more exposure. Uh, Poetic justice. Poetic justice. Who's the yeah. man? And who's a man? And menace to society as well. Yeah. You know, because when I I heard about them, I was just at a record store and the guy at thing. I'm like, so what do you? He's like, I usually would ask him. I was like, got anything new? that you would recommend and they're like do you know you know pete rock and seal smooth's album just dropped and i'm like i don't know who they are and they're like well here you go it's like the first album's awesome but this is even better and it's like if you like this come back and i'll give you get you the other two and yeah i mean the thing that takes you away the thing that takes i think from what my attraction to them when i first heard them like i can remember my feeling i was just like there was a polish to these guys that seemed like they had been like they were two old heads. I mean, they've been around a long time. There was a, there was a swagger that was that was, more, but it wasn't like an over the top. It was very like the ly- lyrically, musically, everything. It was, was a tight. subdued swagger. It was, subdued swagger. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It was a very subdued yeah. swagger, but everything was dialed in. Um, and then you get to the, com- both of them had these kind of smoothness, but these complexities to both musically and lyrically, like CL Smooth, man, he covers a lot of ground and is, is pretty laser point focused about, uh, his lyrics and what he has to say and shit, man, you go to Pete Rock's, I mean, I, I, I went to the sampling site to see what songs were in a couple, like just curious cause I couldn't make it out. I mean, the layers upon layers that he would put on a song, um, it's, it's like insane. Like, I mean, for example, like, you know, I Take You There has like six layers of samples, you know, one for the drums, one for the vocals. Uh, Pete Rock liked, liked to use the horns a lot. And, oh, yeah. And I think that's, you know, I read that he was like a really big into James Brown. Like that was his main influence. And, you know, the horny horns have always seemed to have a play, you know, have a place in on, on the albums. You know, they always seem to make an appearance, you know. Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad that you I'm glad that you bring up his sampling and that, you know, this sort of like hard funk horns 
element that was definitely like like a cornerstone of Pete's sound. But the other thing that I like about him is a sort of psychedelic edge that he'd give a lot of his samples to using like, you know, psych guitar and right. and like weird break beats that aren't necessarily straight up funk. Like and he you know, even in some of uh, you hear him actually I think in later records, like after Seal, Pete Rock and Seal Smooth, like on the Pete Strumentals and that, he even says, this is psychedelic. You can hear him say it, you know, because he had that. Right. That was just also part of his signature was those little break-ins, inflect, yeah. little break-ins that he would do onto songs um, that, you know, sort of deep, rich yeah. voice of his, you know. So um, the psychedelicness of it, of his sound was also really alluring to me because it reminded me of rock, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's that to me is like besides the hard funk, the hard funk breaks, which I mean, dude, I'm a sucker for that, too. You yeah. know, but but it's just like that psychedelic. That to me was something cool that he was doing. It was a different sort of point of view, you know? Yeah. But that's like, you know, I, that's a good point. I don't I think that that he. He didn't have any rules for how he put a song together, at least what he, the elements that he was going to put together, right? No, I don't think I don't think so. I think he was just looking for the dopest shit, you know, in the, in the records. And I mean, like I said, I follow him on Instagram, so I see what he collects, and it's like it's it's like irreverent and weird and cool and cool. And like I I recognize a lot of it. I own some, I own some of the stuff, and so I could I could sort of follow like his line of thinking that he's just looking for what's an you know original new way of spinning a song you know and and like like what you like it really takes a head to like like listen to a song and find the break or find the 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 a weird loop you know in the song and say oh wow that it that could be the 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 backbone of a song of a new right. of a new hip hop song and like he's like that's like that to me is his well yeah it's his, funny his strong point yeah you know? and sometimes he plays he's much more overt like you got the searching which is from the Roy Air song searching that's right but then you got like something like uh, I was looking at this one uh, tell me which is off the main ingredient as well and like he uses you know a Stan Getz song keep dreaming he uses an Oliver saying oh, on the hill he uses the drum beat from the detroit emerald song uses, oh god i love the detroit emerald but, but then he uses a, a james brown lyric he uses a, a lick a lyric from run dmc and he uses from some rapping from big daddy kane and, and with biz marquis song just rhyming with the biz yeah and it's like dude those things are like pulling all those things together like I think the more you add to it in sampling wise, it makes it very hard, especially if you're making one cohesive piece where it's not it's it's telling us it's using as a background to help uh, you know the rapper you know tell his story. Like you can't have that going too much all over the place, right? So I think like his true magic is the picking all these little bits and pieces, weaving it together and still having it sound like it's a song that it, it, all these things were meant to come together not that he's trying to you know shoehorn all these different samples to make something work mama's getting married in the house listen positive over negative for the woman a master mother queen's rising the chapter deja vu tell you what i'm gonna do when they reminisce over you my god
When I date back, I recall a man off the family tree. My right hand, Papa Doc, I see. Took me from a boy to a man, so I always had a father. When my biological didn't bother, yeah. taking care of this. So who am I to pick up? Not a bad ticker, but I'm clocking Pop's liver. Yeah. But you can never say that as life is through. Five kids at 21, believe he got a right to. The thing is, you know, again, like, T.L. Smooth had such a smooth voice and such a storyteller much like it's like a very like a smoother like you take chuck d and you kind of sand it down or take you know it's kind of very much like guru too it's just like it has that kind of storytelling aspect to it to where he's he's making uh really clear points about a wide range of subjects but you got to have you know a, a, a canvas that's not moving or wrinkling or it's not trying to disrupt but actually working to lift what he's trying to say. And I think that's what the beauty of their relationship was. Pete Rock could do his thing and still be Pete Rock. CL Smooth could get his point across and still be CL Smooth. And then they could be together and it worked, it worked magic. And yeah, again, it that's been- great. That's, that's such a great, a great analysis. I mean, it, it's funny those two guys were very different and yet it worked and we talked about this that it's not surprising that they broke up like after two and a half albums because it's just like they just seem like strong-willed dudes who each had their own perspective and their own way of doing things and you know and and, and even when they broke up they still got back together again a bunch of times to perform and and cl still put, you know did a track with him on his on Pete Rock's solo record so it's not like it was over like the like the Beatles or something it was just like they you know it, it's oh man they were so they're so great it was such a revelation for me at, in 1991 to get that EP to get the 12 inch and the EP and then it just and just and it and it and them in relation to everything that was going on I was listening to Main Source I right. was listening to to power rule i was listening to just and then cypress hill came out with their with their first album and it was just such a glorious time it felt you know what it felt like to me it it felt like 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 san francisco in the in like 67 60 you know what i mean that like feeling that everything that was being made was going to be good you know yeah and it was a you know god that time was so great you're right it was like almost every month you'd be turned on to something something new would come out and you would just be like okay you push that one thing that was the flavor of the month and you go to something else and you just get go in go in full with that i mean like again like when i heard the roots like i basically turned everything else off and then fortunately they came through town and i got to see them live which only heightened the thing but it was like that with so many so much music that was coming out at that time and you know with these guys I, I yeah it was one of those frustrating things that you didn't see them um play they didn't seem to play out like i was living in san francisco at the time i can't even remember them coming out so i'm sure i would have gone to see it they could have but they just uh you know it's just one of those bands that maybe you know they they got done with doing the things that they did and it probably took so much out of them because they were so focused on and i think they were also young too man it's just like they probably could have worked out whatever problems they had and still been okay but like you get a little bit of a success you get a little bit of people talking in your ear you know and you gotta if you got a young soul and a young brain that stuff you you know it's easy to say you know what man you're you're not thinking you're not looking out for me you're only looking out for yourself and it takes a lot it takes a lot of maturity to sit there and say look man this this thing is is important to me so let's work out our differences 
And, you yeah, know, but P-Rock was dope, produ- producing other, mic- remixing and producing other things. Who the fuck knows? What, you know what I mean? Like, you, you, you said it yourself. Young minds, young energy, uh, you know, and you, your pride level is like at 10 during that time. And, and like you said, he's being kissed on the dick. It's like... It, it's just it it get it gets you know who the how how do you manage all that I I don't no I, no no I know I, from my I know from my own life I would have a hard time managing that dude I I you know I did TP Records label for almost seventeen years and I didn't get the sort of quote unquote credit I was due till well into it like in, in the 15, 16, 17 year. And I still had, and even though I had all that time in in front of me to develop and to and and to uh, to to gain maturity and, and wisdom, I still fucked it up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, but I, I got my credit. My, I got the credit I, I that I thought I was due when I was 15, 16 years in, and I still mishandled it. So you know, I don't know. Yeah, I I I I completely get it. I I, I just find it look. I think those two show, even when, at a young age, that they had a lot of respect for what they were doing. And I think even together, they had a lot of respect for each other. I That they didn't put in a little bit more effort to just say, hey, you know, why don't we keep this going? And, I, and it's great that they got back for reunion tours and everything else, uh, but... You know, at, again, it's a frustrated fan kicking, you know, laying on his back and kicking his feet in the air. I know that's what I'm sounding like, but that there's a, there's a, you know, Pete Rock can go make up, make new stuff for something ever, for anyone else, and so CL Smooth can do his own albums and do some guest spots. But man, when those two come together, that's something that is just—it's magic. It's magic, and it's something yeah. that it's. The, you know, it's depriving everyone else of seeing what they do. Because when they come together, their brains work as one, and they what comes out of it is something. You know, we, the proof is in, the proof is in those those, those uh, two albums and one EP that they made. It's just they, again, it's like something that stays with you. Um, but you know, you're right. It's you know, you got your you you got egos. You got you know, you got people listening to you. You getting doors open for you. You got money coming yeah. in. And people, your name has a lot, you know, has a big name on in the music, in the music community. So why not? I, I get it. And also they wrote to me top five golden era songs, you know, top five of the, of the songs of that, of the golden era. And that's, uh, they reminisce over you, T-Roy. That, I, that, that is such a signature song. It's such song a great is, song. That song it's, is pretty untouchable. It really is, and you know what? And if that's all they did, if that is all they did was record that song, that would be more than enough. Um, that's just, and that's how I feel about great songs. It's like it, it's a magic that could really. I mean, you might be able to repeat it again, but it's very unlikely. And uh, they did it with that song. I, I honestly, I, there, I. I Anytime that song comes on, anytime I play it, any, right. you know, uh, if I go over to somebody's house, uh, someone like your age, my age, and who who also listen to hip hop in the in the eighties and nineties, inevitably that song comes on, and it's just in a mix. So it's just one of those things that it's like become, you know, it's like, I mean, like Stairway to Heaven or you know or whatever. It's mm-hmm. just like one of those things that just it's never going to leave the turntable, the radio, the phone, nothing. 
you know. Did you know that the uh, the the loop from that is built from a Jefferson Airplane song? No. Is it from uh, what song? It, uh, it's so I because I was like I could not make out that song. And so it's from a, a saxophonist named Tom Scott did a cover of. J oh, I love Tom Scott. So it's uh, Jefferson Airplanes today. Oh, and did Tom Scott do a cover of it? Yeah, and that's what they use. So then they and they use the loop Tom Scott loop. That makes yeah, sense. Two bar sax loop. What was the name of Tom Scott's group? L.A. Express. I have yeah. some of his records. He's like a weird fusion, funky jazz guy. I like Tom Scott. Oh, okay. I don't know much about yeah. him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's been sampled a few times, not just not just by P. Rock. He's been sampled on other on other things too. He's a heavy heavily sampled dude, kind of like Bob James. You know, just one of those guys that's heavily sampled. And Donald Bird. Donald Bird, yes, Donald Bird. And uh, and. Um, and um, we need to uh, acknowledge that uh, one of the co-founders of um, of uh, Kaluna Gang passed away a couple days ago. Uh, is it Thomas Bell? I might yeah, have the names Tom, mixed Thomas up. Bell. One of the Bell brothers. Yeah. Oh, Thomas one of the Bell, Bell brothers died. Away. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, no, wondering. no. Thomas Bell is the main the main guitar guy. It's the other guy that played sax. Who was his brother? Whose name I'm spacing out on. Listeners. Please correct us on the name of the person that passed away oh, well, from Kaluna well, Gang. I love Kaluna Gang. Ronald Bell. Ronald Bell, that's it. Yeah, he passed away a couple days ago. Oh. That was, that hit me hard, man. Yeah, uh, I love Kool and the Gang. It's one of my favorite things. We need to put Kool and Gang on auto reverse, by the way. Yeah, the early, the early Kool uh, and Gang. Oh, you could do all the Kool and the Gang, but the early Kool. All of it. Yeah, the early Kool and the Gang stuff is something that is definitely needs to be, uh, definitely needs to be uh, discovered as well because that stuff was. Could they? Those guys could throw it down before they. Oh God. Before they started to bring in. Uh, Mr. Bell. Yeah, yeah, I love I love Kona Gang, but we we digress. Uh, Pete Rock. I mean, I'm glad that we co I'm glad that we covered covered him, uh, covered them, and I'm glad that I'm glad that you're like a big fan. I wasn't sure because hip hop is so hit and miss with people. Like so, I don't know sometimes like what I think was great is not great to others or not or they just don't is this, care or whatever. Uh, but you you dude, really liked it. Yeah, well, dude, uh, I mean, up with Public Enemy and with Roots, like those are the, like I listen to CL Smooth, Pete Rock and CL Smooth, uh, you know, a couple times a year. Like I, I you know, there's, they, I just, it's just a, it's something that stops me in my tracks when I hear one of their songs. And that, that's some, that's some, there's not a lot of bands that do that, but they're definitely one that does it. And in hip hop, especially, they're, they stand out for me. Like they're fairly, sing, they're singular to me. And there's not a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of copycats, just like in rock and roll, there's a lot of copycats, but there's a lot of rock copycats in hip hop. But yeah. uh, those guys were truly originals. Yeah, for sure. And that's what we strive for that, right? Like, we do like strive. Discussing the originals. That's what we strive for. And that's why we'll probably sometime down the road, we'll be doing our look at Heavy D and the boys. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> not, unless you not unless you want to do an episode about dancing. Well, we could do a, a Heavy D. We could do the first half on Heavy D and the second half on Kiss. Oh, Jesus Christ. No, thanks. Just, That's the, I'm just, falling sick for that one. You'll hear one long 25-minute audio cringe from Tony. <laughs> that, that'll be you just talking and me calling in sick. Uh, well, I, this was a good one, man. I really, I, I'm glad that we did yeah. this. And this really, and, the, and it really, it really make, gives my New York pride, New Jersey pride. It just 
gives it a nice like fist yep. up, right? You know, it's good. Yeah, and it's in the playlist. I, you know, the playlist will make you smile year to year. So please make sure you listen to it. Uh, Tony did a really good job piecing this together. Put some stuff that uh, Pete Rock played on. You know, uh, DJed on as well. So it's a it's a pretty well. I mean, we could have probably made it an eight hour uh, playlist, but. Uh, <laughs> It's a pretty stout four-hour playlist, and it will it will it will reward you handsomely if you listen to it end to end. Uh, but if you have any comments or you want us to check in a band, we are happy to to accommodate. So give us a e, a Gmail account. What was our Gmail? Give us a uh, shoot us an email at uh, autoreversepod at gmail.com or just hit us up on Facebook or Instagram. We check that in periodically when our kids don't have our phones. Uh, That's right. <laughs> so, until next time. All right, peace.